Well, we're trusted, so in that case, we're going to start with a little dance. Yeah. You up for this? Some people are literally scared, like, no. Um, Just to cut to the chase, I guess, we are so thrilled to be with you. And over the coming weeks, months, and years, you're going to get to know us. You're going to hear more of what we are passionate about and what we're carrying in our hearts, if you like, as Phil and Sarah have said. So how can we shoehorn it into one morning? We we can't really. But a few introductionary uh, comments from me, and then I'm going to hand over to the beautiful side of this partnership. Um, But there was a a tweet that Phil sent out probably 16 months or so ago on um, Facebook. I've already showed my lack of uh, social media. A tweet on Facebook. He was tweetering um, that said, sometimes changing the world is finding the friends you want to do it with. And that grabbed me, bro, genuinely saying, man, I'm convinced by that. And... And also, the, this quote from Bill Johnson says, find your people. And Sarah and Phil and Vine Life, it feels like we've found our people. We're not despising it. We love the past and the experience we've had. Thank God massively for it. But we're really excited about this next season ahead. So, darling, why don't you share first? Yeah, great. Thank you. Good morning. It is really great to be here. Um, we really do count it a privilege to be uh, joining team and building with you guys here at Vine Life, everything that you're going after and uh, chasing hard after God for. We're really excited about it. And actually, I wanted to start by saying thank you. Um, we've had such a warm welcome from everybody. We've really felt people's sort of openness and warmth towards us. Um, even before we got here, actually, we had a few messages from people just saying, hey, hi, you know, we're glad you're coming. We, you know, look forward to get to know you. And that really meant such a lot to us. You know, it's been a huge change, lots of transition um, for us as a family. But so today we do just want to share a little bit about who we are. And, but just in everything... Um, that we, that we do share. We just so want to kind of encourage us all again, actually, of what our experience of God's goodness, his grace, his guiding, his love on our lives, and that that would be an encouragement for everybody here this morning, actually. Um, in all honesty, actually, one of the things that Philip asked me to share specifically was some embarrassing stories about my big sister, which is a pleasure. No, I'm not going to do it, really. <laughs> Actually, I have another sister floating around here today as well, so I could do them both. It would be like two birds and one stone. It would be amazing. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, Sarah is my big sister. I have two other lovely sisters. Grew up in a Christian home. Really grateful to God for the foundations of faith and that that gave me. And made a commitment as an early teen personally, but really, I guess by kind of A-levels and university, you know, it was kind of a bit shaky and my walk with God was pretty wobbly. Um, it was across that time, actually, that I met Sam. Sam wasn't a Christian at the time, and he's going to share more about his story. Um, but we just kind of met in pubs and clubs in Hastings, not very glamorous, really. Um, but we just grew this sort of genuine, close friendship. And uh, so, and that kind of continued throughout sort of, like I say, A-levels and university and things. And then, really, for me, just by the end of university, I just... I just knew that God was just provoking me again, just to kind of reevaluate where I was at in my faith and my walk with him and, and really went through a time of, of recommitment, I guess, of putting Christ first in my heart. Um, 
And it was completely awkward timing, to be honest, because all of a sudden, um, the dynamic between Stan and I changed, and just at the point as I was wanting to go on with God, and I knew I wanted to, you know, share my life um, with someone who also shared my faith, and all of a sudden, kind of the chemistry was different with Stan and I. Um, but God's been so good to us, and um, we made some mistakes, but actually, Stan became a Christian on an Alpha course, thank God for Alpha, it's so good. And uh, so we got married about a year or so after Sam became a Christian and we've been married for 14 years now still very happy still love him to bits I'm still my favorite person to hang out with and uh, we have two children uh, Thomas and Bethany who are great they've coped with the change brilliantly well you know a huge transition for us as a family but we are we are delighted to be here and be joining with you guys um uh, for me, work-wise, um, after university, I trained and qualified as a probation officer, and I did that for about 10 years, um, up until stopping when Beth was about 18 months, and I've so valued just the experience um, that that season gave me, um, both professionally and personally, you know, it was really stretching, actually, but I deeply valued um, that season and being able to do that. Um, Still wondering, you know, in a sense, I'm not sure that I'm totally done uh, with criminal justice. Um, and I, I feel like maybe God's got something for that um, in me still. But really what I want to say is just I'm so committed to building and helping here at Vine Life. We really do feel like God has orchestrated this move. We've really known him speaking to us in kind of really kind of conversations that we've had that have been so timely. Um, we've had prophetic words that have kind of really confirmed um, this journey as we've, as, been, as we've been going through it. Um, just conversations, you know, spending time with Phil and Sarah, with Mark and Sarah, and I know Sand spent time with um, trustees here, and all of which has been um, so valuable to us in going through this. Um, and I just wanted to share, yeah, a little bit, I guess, about, about what we feel like, or I feel like God's spoken to me about recently, what we feel like we're running with at the moment. And actually, it was really interesting. Last week, Sarah talked about, um, reminded us about Isaiah 61, um, which was so great, because actually, right before San and I got married, um, I really felt like God impressed that, that chapter, that passage of scripture upon me, really as a commission for San and I. And I thought what was so great um, last week, Sarah um, just reminded us all that actually, you know, this is a commission for all of us as followers of Christ. This isn't um, kind of exclusive to San or I or anyone else. Actually, we're all called to proclaim the good news. We're all called to set the captives free. We're all called to proclaim God's favour over people's lives so that people are, bes- you know, we bestow upon people, which is only possible um, in the finished work of the cross and the sovereignty of Christ, actually, but that actually we see people wearing that crown of beauty instead of ashes. And I really feel like God's kind of brought me back to that at times, um, just that passage of scripture, just being reminded of it and just carry it in a very precious way. Um, really want to see people saved and added, really want to see lives transformed, and we're really excited about that. Because actually, what's so amazing is that when we see people's lives changed, when we see people walking in the freedom that they have in Christ, actually they then become a display of God's glory and splendor for those around them. That's what we see in Isaiah, and I love that. I just think that's so incredible. Um, 
And as well, something that I think San and I feel very deeply about, care very deeply for, is relationship. Um, so, so convinced of the need that we all have as believers for one another. Actually, iron sharpening iron. We're meant to be in community. Um, and actually, I read a really, um, really uh, helpful little article. Um, I think it was on Facebook somewhere. I don't know. But maybe you've seen it. And it was talking about the marigold effect. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this. It's a gardening reference, which will amuse my family because I'm not known for my gardening skills. Um, but anyway, so the marigold effect, apparently, is where gardeners specifically plant certain species next to, the, next to others for the benefit of one or other or both. It's com- called companion planting, actually. Um, and I'm so convinced about that in relationship in a church sense as well. Um, marigolds apparently are really brilliant for this, right? So if you plant them somewhere, they are going to protect what's around them from pests and weeds um, so that they can grow bigger and stronger and healthier. And I feel that's kind of how the church functions. I feel passionate um, that I want to be like a marigold wherever I can <laughs> for people around me. And... Um, And they're there to encourage and support and nurture growth to maturity. And I feel really passionately about that. And one of the things I'm absolutely convinced of is that I need those people in my life. Um, I need those marigolds around me. And, And I really know that actually planting myself with you guys, building with you guys here at Vine Life is going to grow and nurture and encourage me in my work with God. And I think, uh, I think that's amazing. Um, and so finally, there was just one other thing um, I just briefly wanted to share, really as an encouragement. Um, it's really been something that I feel God has um, just kind of reminded me of over the last sort of few weeks, specifically since we've been um, in Manchester. And that's just the gentle, gentle way that he speaks to us and has reminded me about his sovereignty, his grace, his love and his mercy. Because, you know, you can go through seasons in life and I think we've kind of been walking through one where there might be loads of change, loads of transition. Um, A lot of that might be really good, And some of it might be more difficult. Um, But actually, I've just kind of been in this place where I've known I've needed to lift my gaze again towards God. I've needed to reset my focus. You know, like my your gaze kind of gets a bit narrowed and things get a bit linear and I'm kind of caught up in my own head and we've got schools to sort and houses to find and, you know, all this kind of stuff that we've, we've been kind of going through. And one of the One of the um, books in the Bible that actually I go to a lot when I just know I want to kind of refix my gaze upon God actually is Job. Um, Now, if you know Job, it's it's you know it's pretty full on. Actually, he goes through desperate loss, um, and he's kind of questioning actually what's going on and why. And and what I really love reading is how God responds to him. So from chapter like thirty eight onwards. Um, It's just um, how God reminds Job actually how big, how mighty, how sovereign he is. His answer to all of Job's questions actually is, I have it all in my hands, everything and everybody for all time. And so I've spent some time in sort of Job recently, sort of chapter 38 onwards. And I love reading where God says, I have laid the earth's foundations. I bring forth every dawn. I set the stars in place. Um, and I enter the storehouses of snow.
snow and hail. And I genuinely love reading it. I find it brings me such a deep sense of security and peace. And like taking in this sort of massive lungful of clean, crisp, fresh air. And I just have so enjoyed kind of lifting my gaze again, taking that time out to meditate on who God is. Um, And actually, even the first verse of chapter uh, 38, um, bless me, it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And I've just kind of been turning that into a prayer over the last few weeks, that actually out of the storm of this season of change and transition, that, that I would hear God speak for me, for us, and for us. And I'm excited about that. And I want to see what God's going to do with that. Um, and so maybe that's something that you're going through this morning. It's, it's change, it's transition, it's difficult. But maybe just, just that, even that first verse of chapter 38 would encourage you. Out of the storm, God speaks. Um, and so that's really what I'm running with right now. Um, I want to kind of reset my gaze on God. I want to plant myself in this community. I want to be fully engaged and involved. Um, And I absolutely want to kind of live out that commission that we all have as believers and that we see in Isaiah 61. We are genuinely thrilled to be here. Um, It is a huge honour. And I'm just going to pass the mic back to Stan and he's going to share too. So. So interesting. Uh, Em's been talking about Job for a little while, and in pre-service prayer, Sue, you had that word about Job, about maybe folk here will feel like Job this morning. So just before I share, I'd just love to pray. I just feel prophetically, really, in terms of where Louise and Dan took us with the worship. The worship was beautiful, guys, this morning. But then Em's word about just being showered with his kindness So right now, I just want to invite all of us just to close our eyes just for a moment. And if you feel like you're in a season where you're feeling like Job, then I just want to speak God's kindness over you again. There's nothing special about me, man. I'm just like you. I'm just another son. I'm just another human being. But the kindness of the Father is what I want to call forth again. Like that beautiful word that Emma brought during the worship. Like Dan sang and Louise sang out. He doesn't have to come, but he, he chooses to. Our Father chooses to meet us right where we are. So if you're feeling like you're in a season of Job right now, God, I pray for tables to be turned. I pray for this revelation in our hearts where we'd hear you shout to us in the storm. We'd hear you whisper in the stillness of the night. You'd remind us of exactly who put the stars in place, who brought out the cosmos itself, who laid the earth's foundation. So right now, God, I just speak your kindness into hearts. Some of you are going to feel like you're being washed right now, and it's God's kindness. So we just ask for... The rest of our morning together, would your kindness pour out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Ah, oh, man. It is so good to be here. I, what I'd like to do, I, I have a horrible tendency to waffle. Um, that's why I'm, I'm electrocuted up. So M's got this little button to a taser. So as soon as I go to five, I twitch. It's not just me. I'm being assaulted. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'm so thrilled to be here. We are so thrilled to be here. And, and to try and cr- cram it into one one morning to explain that, to explain the journey would just be impossible. So we're just going to drip feed it in at any opportunity and we just get to know you one-to-one and in groups and that kind of stuff. What I'd love to do is just jump straight in and, and share some things that I feel just passionate about, things that I don't need convincing over, things that I feel God is speaking to me about time and time and time again. And I wonder whether you guys will go, hey man, that's like us here. Um, and then you'll see how our journeys have over, overlapped. Um, the first thing I want to share is that the gospel, and I'm going to f- thread my story, I guess, through. The gospel is good news for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Like, like always. It's always good news. And if, if it ever leaves people going, oh man, that sounds tough, then that's not the gospel. It's just not. The gospel is flabbergasting. It genuinely should leave people going, man, I want Jesus. I, I want to grab hold of it like the, the pearl of great price. He, he sold everything just to grab hold of Jesus. Now, it's good news because the gospel means the revelation of Jesus. It's simply the revelation of who he is, what he's done, what he's done for humanity, what he's, what he's done for me, what he's done for you, who he is and what he came to do. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, it's fascinating what he says in chapter 15, I think it is, in the first letter. He says, for what I receive, what I, Paul, have received, I want to pass on to you as of first importance, that Jesus Christ died for our sins with accordance to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again three days later in accordance to the scriptures. And then he appeared to us. You know, this is the gospel. Jesus dies for us, he is buried in the ground, and he, he's alive. He, he rose again. The resurrection of Jesus validates it as good news. No resurrection, no news. We follow both a crucified and risen Lord. That's the deal. This isn't a shrine. There's no point being here if he's still dead. The reason why we're here, actually the reason why we're here is he's alive. So this was Paul's first primary message. I want you guys to grab hold of this, he was saying, as of first importance. Now, Jesus transforms lives because he's alive. Now, I'm a very simple man. So, but, so, so I realized, oh, oh, he's alive, so that's why my life's transformed. And he still does that today. And I know of, of some of you, but I, I hear stories of lives being transformed here through street outreach through just conversations at the anchor, through city hubs. My life was transformed 15 years ago, like radically transformed. I wasn't a Christian, didn't go to church. Um, I've always believed in a greater force. Star Wars probably did that for me. But I've always believed um, that there was a greater something than me. So I've, I've been one of these people that have had these searching questions in life. Like, who am I? How did I get here? I don't mean the birds and the bees, but how did I get here? Why am I here? And what happens next? That is the big one. 
that was haunting. Curtains closed. What happens then? Is that the end? I was invited by M and another guy that first told me about Jesus on a forklift truck, believe it or not. He was telling me about Jesus while we were working, and it, it did something in me. I thought, man, I'd like to find out more. So me and M were becoming more friendly and ended up going to King's Church in Hastings. I remember walking through the building, and it was a people just like you guys. And I remember thinking, man, it's, I feel slightly weird, but like I'm at home. And I don't want to be anywhere else right now. And I was invited to do an Alpha course. And on this Alpha course, um, I was full of pain, guys. Like, genuinely, it, back then I would have said, no, every, I had everything together. But I had this whacking great hole that I crammed full of drugs, alcohol, relationships. And that couldn't f- satisfy this longing within so I think for the space of, or the, the, the kind of time, about a decade it was, that there wasn't a day that went past that I wasn't either high on amphetamines, speed or cocaine, I smoked weed, marijuana, every single day, or I was drunk. Not one day went past because I was trying to hide that pain. I picked up, as you can appreciate, quite a, a habit. Uh, I was fairly addicted to cocaine, doing it most days. Ended up in hospital, actually, is when me and Em were friendly. And Em would, uh, uh, she'd send me, this, she sent me that card, Footprints. You remember, you know, Footprints? You know, when, I was, I, I've forgotten it. But it's something along the lines of, when you see one line, it's then that I dragged you, right? It's, <laughs> there's these footprints in the sand, and Em sent me this le- card, and it re- massively spoke to me, because... Right at that time as well, a very close friend of mine was found dead in his flat in Bow, which is in the east end of London, and that just sent me on a more of a spin. Why? What? How? Doing more and more cocaine. I ended up in hospital. While I was in hospital, I was rushed into recess. I woke my mum up one night with the words, Mum, I think I've done too much gear. And I fell into her bedroom. She loaded me up into the paramedic wagon, waved me goodbye... Because she, too, had watched my father go down the same journey. So she said she just had to let me go. I was lying in recess with oxygen on, this heart monitors on. And I remember looking up to heaven or the ceiling of recess saying, God, if you're out there, get me out of this. And he did, right? However, I didn't follow him. I hit the drugs even harder. So Saturday night, I'm out pretty much out of my face. On the Wednesday, I'm in someone's front room talking about Jesus on an Alpha course. Partway through the course, Jesus is just wonderfully presented. Who Jesus really is. Not this religious icon that no one can attain to, but this wonderful, kind, sacrificial Jesus. And halfway through the course, I had loads of questions still. (laughs) Remember my friend Gary just saying, if, very calmly, if anyone, he's, he's a bit like Nicky Gumbel, if anyone would like to give their life to Jesus, we can pray for you right now. And I found my hand going up in the air, thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> like, genuinely, what are you doing? I'm not ready. I've still got to argue. Where is Jesus? So, loads of questions. All I knew is I heard enough of this good news of the gospel 
that struck my life there and then as a cocaine addict to say, man, I want Jesus. If he did that for me, then I want in. And the moment I put my hand up, I remember God saying to me, not audibly, but you know that voice in your heart, I love you, I've always loved you, it's now time to choose. The moment I said yes, I was washed with love. That's the only way I can describe it. I cannot quantify or describe to you what it felt like, but I knew I was being washed. I knew that kindness. It was like I was standing under that new shower, being washed with his love. All this hurt, all this rejection, all this pain being washed out of me. And I left there drug-free, hadn't touched another drug since. It was like the very root of this drug addiction was pulled out. I phoned Emma straight away, crying my eyes out. I think I've become a Christian, whatever that means. See, I thought I was going to church, really, because Emma wanted a nice Christian boyfriend. So I was going to tick that box. But I realized the hunter became the hunted. And God surprised me. He was the one that turned his, this on its head. So I want you to know, I know I'm going on a bit, but I want you to know that he is the answer for everyone, everywhere, all the time. He's the answer to addiction. He's the answer to hopelessness. He's the answer to grief and despair. He is your hope. Because hope has a name, right? As we, we hear this said, love has a name, hope has a name, joy has a name, and it's Jesus. So the gospel is the, most, uh, is the thing I'm most passionate about. Seeing people encounter that love of Jesus for the first time, just knowing, reading their mind, going, man, I'm being washed. I'm being cleansed with love. So I love seeing people saved. Absolutely love it. And I believe in my heart of hearts we're going to see that more and more here. I know you see it, but man, I just want to be part of a church family where we can introduce people to this brilliant saviour. Second thing I want to share is that the gospel doesn't end there. You know, the highest point of the gospel is far more than just sins forgiven. As awesome as that is. Man, if I left that alpha night just knowing I'm washed clean, brand new, that's enough forever. But you know what? God goes further and further and further because we're saved for a purpose. And I know you know this, but we're saved for adoption. You know, this is the thing that I'm realizing more and more. This is the journey or the season God has me in that I'm a loved son. I'm not just a forgiven servant or a forgiven friend. I'm actually a loved son. So it doesn't stop at the cross. It doesn't end there. Sin ended for me there. My sin was dealt with there. But actually it was uh, the access point to a beautiful new chapter. So I'm just wandering around now. A beautiful new beginning. The new journey began. Jesus says these profound words. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Maybe some of you feel like orphans this morning. But you know, Jesus' promise is still the same today as it was then. I will not leave you as an orphan. In Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul says, when the right time came, just at the right time, there was this perfect time in history. When that time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, that's Mary, born under the law, the Jewish law, to redeem those that were under the law that we now might receive the full rights and access of sons. 
And because we're sons, it gets deeper, guys. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, and that spirit somehow connects with ours, and there's this call from deep to deep that calls out, Daddy, that calls out Father. Paul wants us to know that today as well. We're living in the age of the spirit where the spirit is now alive with our spirits. And there's something that longs from within us that says, man, he's my father and I'm his son. I needed to hear this. So back to part of my story, when I was newly saved, people would say to me, he's just like a loving father. I had no reference point for that. I had no connection point for that. It did not compute because I didn't know one. But now I'm a daddy. Oh, boy. Like, like my kids aren't perfect like any of your children, like, like you. But the love that I have for my children, I can't explain to you. It's 100% all the time, whatever they do. Tom once wrote on our freshly painted wall, Tom, in capital biro, marker pen. Byron marker pen, you know what I mean. And when I said to him, I said, hey, bud, come here a minute. Why did you write your name there? He said, I didn't. Mum must have done that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, Em, Em, did you write this? No, no, I didn't write that. Tom wrote it. Brand new. I know it's a silly analogy, a silly example, but even when I was telling Moth, my love burnt for him. Like, genuinely love him. Sometimes I just watch my kids sleeping. They're doing nothing to impress me. And I'm just looking at my little girl going, I just want to smush your face. <laughs> like, I just want my face on your face. I just want to hold you. And we can't, we can't do this justice. Times that by infinity and then hold a heavenly magnifying glass over it. And then we're not even close to how God thinks of you. Like he adores you. Me and my kids play this game, I, I love you more game. It basically goes like this. Um, I love you, I love you more. And we do that to and fro like ping pong. Uh, there was one time that I was saying goodnight to my son. And as I walked out of the room, I said, I love you more. And as I turned the corner, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I love you more. And I wonder whether some of you need to hear that this morning. So I felt, I wrote this down, that some of you need to hear the I love you more this morning. And you're saying, I love you. You're singing the song like Louise said so brilliantly earlier. You don't know, you don't really know what this feels like when he comes on you personally, when, when you experience the love of Jesus personally, the Father's love. But I just genuinely feel that he would want you to know right now, I love you more, more than you could ever Imagine. So for me personally, I want to live in a deeper, deeper, deeper revelation of the Father's heart for me. I want to live from that place, knowing that I'm no longer abandoned, I'm no longer rejected, I'm not alone any longer. But I'm an accepted, cherished, forever loved son. And nothing will ever change. And I want that here. And I know, man, this isn't patronizing, I hope, because I know this is why we're here. Because you're tracking after this. You're journeying after this. You're chasing after this. Last thing I want to share, and then we'll hand back to Phil and Sarah, is having a kingdom mindset. And kingdom thinking. Jesus' understanding of the kingdom is obviously broad because he's the king of the kingdom. But his, his teaching on prayer in Matthew's gospel is profound. And if we're not careful, we can treat it just like something we, we recited at 
primary school or secondary school or religious education or somewhere. But he's basically saying, this, guys, is how you engage with the Father. This is how I want you to commune, prayer. This is how I want you to chat with, the, with God. Our Father in heaven, hello be your name. Your will be done. Your, sorry, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all know that, right? Some of you might not, so forgive me for that. But we, we kind of say it. It rolls off the tongue. But this is what I believe having a kingdom mindset or thinking means, is that we actually believe that. Because I think Jesus actually meant what he said. When he said, actually, you can call for more of heaven on the earth, I think he means it. And I know that it can be just a catchy buzz thing and just a, a popular thing these days, but I genuinely keep being brought back to this thing to say, San, are you believing for more of heaven in your day? Because if I am an ambassador of Christ, somehow I have heaven within me. So that looks like this. In my home, as it is in heaven... In my marriage, as it is in heaven, with my friends and family, as it is in heaven, down my street, as it is in heaven, in the uni, as it is in heaven, in this city, as it is in heaven. What does that look like? It looks like love. You know, the simplest way to define what heaven would feel like is love, right? Because God is love. God is love. And he surrounds us in his love. So when people encounter love, I believe they're encountering heaven on earth. And there's other ways that this, this demonstrates itself. There's a myriad of a million and one ways. Healing, supernatural healing, people's minds and bodies being utterly restored, marriages being brought back together, fathers coming home, like peace ruling in, in neighborhoods, um, kindness happening. We just stop and chat with people saying, hey, uh, just love to chat with you, see how your day's going. For me, that is a little bit of heaven on the earth. I am coming, coming in for a land. I don't know why we say that. Just, what would you do if I literally just jumped? Phil, would we think again? Jesus said this remarkable statement, the kingdom is within you. Say that to yourself right now. The kingdom is within me. Some of you actually meant it. The unbelievable reality that we carry the presence of God within us. Unbelievable. Heaven within. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same spirit that raised Christ from death now lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. We're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're like living stones being brought together where God dwells temple of God you know old covenant reality was the presence of God lived in a tabernacle in a temple in an ark new covenant precious reality is God has filled and flooded his people so we're now little mobile arcs wherever we go we are the ark of God we are mobile arcs all across this city so this is what it looks like wherever I go he goes Man, that's amazing. Wherever I go, he goes. My friend sums it up this way. We give the God who is everywhere opportunity to show up somewhere. We give the God who is everywhere opportunity to show up somewhere. I'm going to finish with a few thoughts and then hand back. Sean Bowles, many of you know here, I'm reading his book, Translating God. Amazing book. 
there was one phrase that jumped out and literally punched me in the face. You know those moments where you just know Holy Spirit is all over this? He says this, God's eternal purpose for us or God's eternal plan is that we would see what he sees, which would in turn enable us to love as he loves. Isn't that amazing? That is just such an invitation to us that we would see right into the heart of God, that we would see what he sees over our own lives and over everyone else we come in contact with. And from that place, we would love as he loves, not as I love, because if I do it as I do it, there's often a gender attached to it or compromise or condition. But when we truly see into the heart of God, it's unconditional. We just freely love because he is love. There's this great quote I found. Always leave people better than you found them. Hug the hurt, kiss the broken, befriend the lost and love the lonely. Always leave people better than you found them. You know, I want to be much more purposeful and deliberate about how I live. Not clumsily tripping through my day, but genuinely walking through my day going, Holy Spirit, who should I chat with? Making that my daily prayer. Holy Spirit, help me notice people. Help me just simply notice people. Help me just stop for that one person. Help me see people as you see them. Help me love as you love them. Eric Johnson says, this is the goal, and I could have summed the whole thing up like this. This is the gig, that we would discover who we are, trust the God who makes us worthy, and change the world. Can I invite us all to stand? Is that the usual protocol i want to pray and then i'm going to hand back to you guys if you feel so comfortable to do so would you maybe extend your hands there's three things i I simply want to pray father i just ask that we would know who we are our true nature and identity because it flows from knowing who you are and what you've done for us Thank you that you sent your precious son, the Lord Jesus, as a one-time sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And I just pray that we would know who we are through that act, that we would live in the goodness of who we are. We would know who we carry and that we would individually do our bit to reshape and change our environment. We would discover who we are, whose we are, who we belong to, And that we would simply change the world one life after another, defined by love. Father, I ask again for your mercy to pour out over lives. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray for your mercy to wash over hearts today. Thank you, your loving Father pray for the spirit of adoption to be experienced this morning that our hearts would call out Abba Father that our hearts would call out Abba Father yeah Father we just thank you for each and every single person here this morning thank you for the unique life that you've given each one of us. I ask your blessing, your peace, your protection, your love to pour out afresh again this morning. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign. 
that you hold everything and everyone in your hands for all time. I pray you make that truth a reality in people's lives this morning. Amen. I'm really aware that there might be some people here who actually, you know, when someone's talking about just that revelation of the good news of Jesus and him sort of almost without necessarily understanding it all, just feeling like, oh, my hand's up. I'm saying, yeah, I want to become a Christian. And whether there might be somebody here who wants to, you might not have it all figured out, but you're like, do you know what? Yeah, I want to, I want to put my hand up and say yes. Um, and maybe some people like, you know, Em was saying over kind of high school, university kind of days, just feeling like, oh, maybe things wobbled a bit. And there was a time when she had to really sort of just say, no, stake in the ground. I'm I'm just committing myself to Jesus again. Actually, some of you might find yourself in that situation this morning. Um, and do you know what? It's God's kindness to bring you there. And it's his kindness to lead you on from that place. So if that's you, I, I want to make sure we give an opportunity for prayer. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask maybe Emma and San if you could join the ministry team. If you want, like, just come and get someone to pray with you and like, just take that step. That would be amazing. Um, the other thing is, is if um, you, know, you find yourself in a storm, um, actually, and it's like, actually, the, I need to hear God speaking in the, thaw, in the storm, through the storm. Um, but that's you. That would be amazing. But, you know, like they shared, actually, everything that God's done in them, like that is an invitation to say, well, I need that. So any part of their story where you're like, I need that, I want that, I want to see that. Or maybe for, on behalf of people you know, like you can believe for that. Um, and say, yeah, God did it for them. You know, freed sound from addiction, he can do it for you. You know, he restored from hurt and pain, he could do that for you. He took Emma from a place of wobbly faith to all in for Jesus. He can do that for you too. Um, so I want to, God, I want to thank you for just Emma and San and for their testimony. God, I thank you just for people's stories. And I thank you, God, that that gives us permission and invitation to believe that for ourselves. So Father, I pray even now, even as people just dare to believe that, that you'd be doing it in them as well. It'd be freeing people, restoring people, releasing people into fullness, God. So thank you, God. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you come up and make yourself available for prayer. If there is anything that you would like prayer with this morning, any of those things that we've said, anything that Emerson shared that you like.